coming to you from Michigan, USA, and listened to by people all over the planet. Get ready to be safe and sound with Sean Sparkman. Sparkman. Never take your eyes off your opponent, even when you buy. Welcome to the Safe and Sound Podcast. I'm really excited to be bringing you somebody out of the great state of Vermont today. Her name is Christine Moriarty. She runs a business called Money Peace, and she has a very interesting viewpoint on how to handle money and, more importantly, the mindset behind money. So thank you very much for being on the show today, Christine. Thanks for asking me and having me here. This is great. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and who you are? Certainly. I have a background, I guess, one of the most important things is that financially, I was always good with numbers. So I helped my dad in his business with some bookkeeping when I was in high school and became a business major because of that, was a finance major in college, but didn't feel like those numbers really related to people. It was all about business. So when I got out, I discovered this financial planning career, which was relatively new at the time in the mid to late 80s. And I started to take different jobs based on wanting to be a certified financial planner. And that included, you know, working in human resources, working for mutual fund companies, doing audits, working for accounting firms. And then I went back and got an MBA. And in that MBA process, I wrote a lot of papers on the financial industry. And I also did a business plan. I was an entrepreneurship major. I did a business plan for my business. So it was great fun to kind of take what I was good at and merge it with what I was interested in professionally. And a couple of years after I had been out of grad school, I started my own business being a certified financial planner and helping people. And you did focus from the beginning on the financial industry, it sounds like, because of your background and you're good with numbers and, you know, everything that you just mentioned. But you decided to take the path that not a lot of people take, which was to go into personal finance. Well, there's two things on the personal finance. I think it's what resonated with me personally. I really like people and working with people. And I didn't find that, for example, in my first job out of college, for all those who were just starting out and listening, my first job was an office manager at a company. And I could have closed the door and done all my work. And I was like, this is not the job for me. I like to have some people. I like to analyze the numbers, but I like people. Financial planning kind of worked for that. So it drew me in again, taking that affinity for numbers. But the second half is really something, and this is what all of us look at. And I realized you had a previous guest who talked about, you know, the personal side and the professional side kind of draws you towards your career that my dad had a heart attack when I was 14. And during those conversations afterwards, he, he almost died. I saw him in the emergency room with my mom and my brother. However, he survived. And as part of that, I realized he was starting to tell my mom about this personal finance stuff. And they needed to work, start to work as a team. And it, that fear, which I'm not saying was a great motivator, but it was a motivator to 
say, hey, people need to know about this stuff. So personal finance was that personal thing at age 14 and then that business thing at 21, kind of the seven-year cycle that a lot of people say we have in life. I found it interesting because you mentioned that fear was part of your motivation. And I think that's something that really motivates a lot of people. But like even you said, it's maybe not a great motivator, but I think it really is. I think that a healthy fear of whatever it may be, the unknown or moving forward or what could happen. I think that's part of having a healthy mindset. And mindset is one of the things that you really focus on when you're doing your financial planning. So can you explain the importance of creating the right mindset? Sure. And I love what you had said, a healthy fear. There's a difference between a healthy fear and a fear that freezes us or a fear that is just so encompassing that it blocks all clarity. So thank you for distinguishing. What I learned in business, once I started my own practice, I had worked for a couple of different companies in financial planning. And then when I started my own practice, I found something that people, even though I was very by the book, making some good recommendations, people would come back six months later and not have taken the action. And they'd sit in my office and say, I know we were supposed to do that, and that would have been good for me to invest in that. It would have worked better. I would have felt better. And it was after that happened enough in my business, probably within the first nine months, that I said, I need to restructure how I do my work. And I took the numbers and the sound financial planning, but I merged it with a lot of the personal growth work that I have been doing over the years up until that point and really sat in the first meetings and continued that conversation as we went through. But the focus on the first meetings was about people, what their background around money is, what their history around money is, to really find the best solution for them. Rather than the best financial solution or the best solution overall, it was what is the best solution for this unique person sitting in front of me? And then we would talk through that and give them options. And once they were more engaged in that, they took action. So mindset, I found, really results in action. And I really like what you said there at the beginning when we were, you were talking about your path to personal finance and how it was all about helping people. And if you listen to all of the guests that I've had on, there's one theme that goes through my business and it goes through these people that are all different walks of life, whether it's the martial arts, the health industry or the finance industry. And it's all about helping people. It's about what can you give back? And I think that's one of the most important things. And by you going and helping people to experience personal growth and change their mindset, not only helps them with their finances, but it helps them with their whole life, right? Totally. I have seen people, it gets so exciting. One of my clients walked in and this is typical and said, when after people work with you for a while, do their whole lives change? And I smiled and said, yes, because it's not just about the money. It's about quality of life. And that is what I wish for everybody is to really get that feeling that money is one aspect of your whole picture of your life. And that's why I named the podcast the Safe and Sound Podcast, because in my mind, it's about building a lifestyle. And that safe and sound lifestyle doesn't mean you don't take any risks. It just means having a solid foundation. And that, of course, always starts with your mindset and your relationships. And 
relationships is something that I talk about on every single episode because it's something that is a passion of mine because I don't think that you can have a successful life without having good relationships. So can you tell me what why you think it's important to focus on relationships? Well, I think it's important to focus on relationship because the A number one most important relationship is the relationship you have with yourself. A lot of people forget who they are as they grow up and experience different things and forget what they really want and buy into what society's goals are or what society's telling them is important or what's the latest ad on TV or what's the latest thing everyone wants. So once people get down to the core of their own changing values and behavior and mindset, then they can have that relationship with themselves that they understand better, building better relationships with other people. That includes their financial and legal team that they build around that financial life, but it also includes their family and their partner and their work employees or their coworkers so that they're a lot clearer in their goals. They reflect that back in all areas of their life. I really like that you talked about the relationship with the self because I think that a lot of people don't truly know who they are. I mean, men especially, I can speak because I'm a man, we (laughs) identify with our job or something that we do and that becomes in a way who we are and i've seen it where an older gentleman lost his job in the later years when he thought he was going to retire and it affected his identity very strongly and i think that was because he had become so wrapped up in this is who i am and really that was his job and he didn't know really who he was So can you talk a little bit about how you guide people into having a better relationship with their self? Yes. And um, thank you for pointing out that there are gender differences in people because there are men, women, all different types of people have different priorities and perceptions. And it's a generalization, but it works 70% of the time. So it's important to at least notice it and recognize it. From there, we want to make sure that We recognize that and that there's differences and often there's differences in a couple. Let me just talk about couples for a second because they come in and they think they have to be on the same page about everything. And when I speak to couples, one will answer and the other will just shake their head and I will always ask the same question of the other person. So in that way, I give them space to be individuals. So that gets to the core of who they are. There's also some basic things of What do people really want? And most of us are rushing around in this information age, getting to the next thing, researching something online, and not taking that quiet time to find out who we are. That's all I ask is people to have some space in who they are and take that time of reflection so that we can come up with real goals for them, not the goals that again, are being said from the outside. So it it comes down to the right questions and setting aside time to reflect on those questions about what someone wants to accomplish. It is typical that someone loses their job. It can be men, women. Often men feel it because they put more of an identity around their job. Women do too sometimes. And women tend to value those relationships more or that family more. However, if you look at or do any reading on the passing, the time when someone's elderly knows they're going to die is is really clear headed. They say the most important thing to them 
nine times out of 10 is family and the relationships they built. That's saying more than what's a reaction to losing a job or other things. So relationships really come to the core because I think if you think about it, when we start life, we need those relationships or we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have survived. And at the end of life, we need those relationships as well. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, everybody knows it. When it comes to money, money can't buy happiness, right? And at the end of the day, that's your relationships with other people. You can't have an enjoyable life without people around you. We all crave that connection. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, everybody has that craving of being able to connect to another person. So I really love that you incorporate that into your whole process. Now, you do a course called Enlightened Finance for Couples, and you just mentioned couples, so how does that course impact the couples that have participated in it? I think a lot of them on following up the answer to that last question, realign what their priorities are. And one of my favorite is a client who said the usual, we want to pay off our debt, put our kids through school, and retire. And I said, well, do you have any other goals? You know, that's the whole thing as this group process that we come together in a workshop setting, but without people knowing anything about each other besides their first names, because it's all done virtually on the phone, is they said no. And I said, go back and think. And I gave the assignment to everyone. It's just this one couple that pops out and they're like, you know, we really love to travel. We would love to travel more together as a couple and we would love to travel more as a family. I said, great, let's work that into your financial plan. I got to talk to them in the past month. They have been so delighted of having been able to take their children to Europe and them to mark each major anniversary, their 10th, their 15th, their 20th, by having a trip to something that's near and dear to them, which is tennis championships. And they said that has given us the spark of life and the motivation to keep at saving for college, planning our retirement. It's like we can live now. And sometimes when people are working towards their goals, they forget that living now and enjoying life is really important. So I think Enlightened Finance for Couples wins in two ways. It gives a couple time and space to reflect together. And two is it talks about some of that mindset and the history and behaviors, gender differences right up front. So it's a topic of conversation rather than what happens to many couples, it becomes attention. Making it a topic of conversation and normal relieves some of the stress and helps people get on the same page. Yeah, and that's important because I, I don't know the exact statistic, but I saw a statistic out there one time that talked about how money conversations and money problems can be one of the leading causes in divorce. Am I right on that? That is the statistics that's out there, but the financial planners that I talk to about this deeper stuff around the emotions of money, we all agree through our experience, and I've been doing this for 28 years, that I don't think it's the money. Oh, we don't think it's the money. I don't want to say I came to this conclusion on my own. It's the underlying values and the communication between couples. So if it was only about the money, then only poor people would be getting divorced. If you have a lot of money, that would say, hey, you don't need a divorce because you have money. But again, money doesn't make happiness. It's really be having that clear conversations, clear commitments, and really understanding 
yourself and what you're getting into with a marriage partnership. And that's why I, I teach these classes that are open to anyone throughout the country is because if you know yourself and you have these honest conversations with a partner before you get financially entangled and make a long commitment, it changes everything. It changes who you are in the relationship, how it works. There's a saying that I know is a fact is that couples talk about sex more than they talk about money. And if you're not talking about money, how can you get really grounded on it? I'll wrap up with a conversation I had one time with a financial person who said, oh, I just got married and my wife has a child from a previous marriage and in the previous marriage and as a single mom, she never had any money. I told her not to worry about the money now and she wanted to talk more about it and I said, just don't worry about it, I'll pay for everything. And I kind of smiled inside because this was not someone who was asking me advice, it was a casual conversation. But four years later, they were divorced. Oh, wow. And, and I wasn't surprised in the least because they weren't having the conversations. They were just, he was just saying, I'll take care of everything and not engaging a conversation and giving her choices and making her a part of it. It was more of, we have the money, don't worry. There's more, always more going on than that. And it really comes down to the communication. And I've spoken about this on a couple other episodes. <laughs> Communication is one of the number one things to actually having strong relationships, right? Right. And it's a strong relationship with your financial, your certified financial person, your financial advisor, your investment person, your lawyer, you know, your accountant. You have to have strong relationships, but it's only when they know who you are and can help you in the best way possible. That's your inner circle as well. And we hope you're financial partner is also in your inner circle. Now, I want to switch gears just a little bit. We've been talking a lot about success, and I just want to switch it and ask you a personal question. You can answer with as much or as little information as you'd like. What do you view as your greatest success in life? My greatest success is to practice what I pre preach, on. And I know that sounds ridiculous in some ways because it's like an old caveat, but I'm originally from Boston, as anyone listening may catch that Boston accent, despite having lived in Vermont for well over 25 years. I could have had a great, even more expansive career in Boston, where I knew a lot of people. I had started my business. I started my professional career. I went to grad school. However, my heart was in Vermont, and I moved up here well over 20 years ago. I can't remember the exact date because I had gone to college here for four years. I made that leap, knowing financially it might not be as easy, but that I would really enjoy being here. Now, I am looking out my window as we talk. There's about 10 inches of snow on the ground. There's a river running through my backyard. <laughs> I went out snowshoeing yesterday at lunchtime. It's just, I can hop to a ski area in a half an hour. If I wanna to get to civilization in my office, that's more an hour away. But that's okay because I am living what in beauty and I'm living the life that I really want to. And that's what I encourage other people to do. I'm not saying it's easy because certainly I have had struggles in making it here. But I feel like, wow, I own a house. I own my car. My life is just how I want it to be. And 
that's a level of success. That's a definition for me. I can wake up every morning happy. Well, that's a really cool answer. I really appreciate you sharing that. And on the flip side, you mentioned struggles. And on every single show, I always talk about failure because it's something that's near and dear to my heart. I believe that you cannot have a successful relationship, a successful business. You can't be successful without failure. And that means that you have to fail forward. You know, every house gets built one brick at a time and it takes a lot of time. But to build that house, you have to have those failures along the way so that you can have the strong bricks to put in place. So what is something that you failed at in life? I can't juggle. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I've taken classes at it at Club Med, Sean. I've gotten the book Juggling for Dummies. I've practiced. I cannot juggle. I say that from a personal level, and I know you're looking for the per business ones as well, because I've found that trying to juggle too many things professionally has also not worked as efficiently as I could. Just like the juggling, I can do two balls, I can't do them all. So I have been speaking and writing and teaching classes and seeing clients for 25 years now. and. I, I finally figured this out. I'm a little slow on the upswing. And as of December, I have stopped seeing individual clients, which was a hard step, but that allows me to write my articles for Market Watch or for the Solutions Journal and teach classes and bring more of my word, have time to be on a podcast and bring more of this mindset and this emotions and behaviors can affect our money more money piece out to the world. And so that is my professional, where I stand right now, you know, that I see, I can't, I can't juggle and I'm willing to accept that fact. You know, I'm really happy that you mentioned juggling because if you listen to the second episode of the podcast, I did an interview with Matthew Sikora and he's one of my closest friends. Our sons were actually born on the same day within a half hour of each other. Oh my God, what and, are the yeah. chances? <laughs> yeah, and he's also been my martial arts instructor for well over a decade now. And one of the first things when I went to his class, you know, obviously before we were friends, he was teaching was the concept of harmony versus juggling. And, you know, he was using a description instead of juggling uh, of plates on a stick, right? So you're spinning mm -hmm. a plate on a stick and you got one in one hand, you got one on your foot, maybe you got one on your head. And those are your different aspects of your life. Maybe one's your marriage, one's your workout life, and the other one is your business. Eventually, you're going to keep adding more plates and what's going to happen? They're all going to mm -hmm. come crashing down, right? So yeah, Absolutely. So it's, it's this concept of instead of trying to juggle, you work your life in harmony so that each thing complements the other. My workout life should complement my marriage life and my marriage life should complement my business. And it should all be this one thing that creates the quality of life that you were talking about. And for some people like you, it could be not living in Boston and living up in Vermont where you're surrounded by the beauty so that you have that harmony so that when you wake up in the morning, you're already starting your day off in a good mindset, right? Absolutely. And it isn't for everybody. That's why going inside and really reflecting who you are, that makes the most sense. Before you do any major decision is important. And Yes. So it's harmony with yourself. That's why at the beginning of 
our talk today, I mentioned the relationship with yourself is first and foremost. And you do focus on the whole person as part of your financial planning process, which I really love. How do you do that? Like, what does that look like if you sit down with a client? Well, again, when I was seeing clients, the first meeting would just be a conversation. People would want to bring in stacks of financial stuff and I'd tell them, go ahead and bring it. We might not even get to talk about it. I want to know what makes them tick, what's important to them, ask them questions like what's their biggest financial failure in the past, what was their big financial success, and what are we working towards, and where did they grow up, and what did they learn about money in their history up until now. Those kind of questions really get people thinking about money in a different way, and most people say, I was never asked these questions because we don't talk about money. However, once those are handled, it's much easier to keep that conversation going if I say, for example, let's talk about how much life insurance you want. And someone says, well, I need a million. I might say, yes, you may want a million. Why is that? Rather than me saying, no, you only need 750 or 500. Having that conversation of why they want that million, they're more willing to share that their father died when they were young. And if he had had life insurance, their life would have been better. Just different things that get in people's mind, you need to draw those out to really have a conversation and think about things holistically. So that's one piece of it. The second piece is, again, I don't want to harp on it, but I find it's really important. And we don't learn this in the financial training as a CFP or an MBA or my Series 7. I never got trained to talk, meet people where they're at and ask people who they are. And that's the part of really making something work is letting them work on that relationship, however they find that best, whether that is their own personal growth work, their therapy, weekend workshops, whatever it is, making sure there's room for that in their financial plan. And you talk about there being more than meets the eye when it comes to money. What does that mean? That means, it again, just the example like the life insurance, that if someone wanted life insurance, they wanted more than they need because of the their history. So that's more than meets the eye. Someone else might run up their credit card with debt because they're feeling bad about themselves. So it's a way to feel even worse about themselves. So there could be something else going on. It could be a behavior. Here's a behavior that is now coming out in the news, but it's something that I've recognized for many of my years of practice. Addicts tend to spend more money than they have because they have an addiction. So it's not that they ran up the credit card, it's just that something else is going on in their life. And that might not be clear to us as financial counselors and guidance, but there's something else going on that we may or may not be aware of when there is a financial patent to break, because often it's the behavior and the patent of always having done this, always been in debt, always only saw my parents. Here's an example. If your parents only have lived in an apartment your entire life and you're 30, you're not expecting yourself to buy a house. That would break a family patent. And really important to have that conversation with someone about why. So th there's just so much 
behind our financial decisions. And it's so important to reflect on that because it's not about the money all the time, much like the couples. If it's money that's breaking up the relationship, it's probably not, it's the values underneath. What's underneath our money decisions? That makes sense. And you know, I was really pleased I sat down with a client yesterday and she said something that really struck me because I don't hear it very often from clients. And she said, you know what, at the end of the day, Sean, money's just a tool. And it's what we need to survive and live and enjoy our retirement, not just survive it. But she said, at the end of the day, it's just a tool and we just want to put it to use the best way that we can. And I think that that mindset is very important when it, you know, it does come down time to use that money because at the end of the day, it is a tool. Yeah, to create our quality of life that we want. And you did a segment called Money and Memory. The reason I'm bringing this one up is because I do a lot of work with people that are going into retirement. On a national scale, we have more people going into retirement and living 10, 20, and 30 years into retirement than has ever existed before in our history. And I believe that this topic is going to come up more and more. So what is Money and Memory? It's talking about aging and not just dementia, but it also could be traumatic brain injury. Money, dealing with money is an executive skill. And by executive skill, I mean something that is not a routine thing to do. We need a certain part of our brain to do it. And people who have had a stroke or who have had traumatic brain injury from a car accident or our aging population are more apt to not have all of their executive functions. So their money habits and skills and keeping track of things might go out the window. We as advisors, I teach a lot of this in the advisory capacity to at conferences to other people and to companies about how to handle that and what to think about. And also on the personal level, we need to think about either for our parents or for ourselves and for ourselves, what's our backup plan? Do we have our financial power of attorneys in line? Are we willing to give guardianship if some of these things and issues occur? There are really some steps people can take and all around the circle, both your financial team and yourself to make this, if it happens, easier on the person it's happening to and legal and well-managed money. So some kind of consistency around your money. I'll give you an example. There's many examples, but the average person who lives past 80, half of those people suffer some kind of memory loss. Okay, half, not everyone, so we can't predict this. And neither can the medical society, so it's not a, just financial can't predict it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I wanna qualify. Some people jump the gun and think someone has memory loss and doesn't. But some people also jump the gun and say, oh, they do have memory loss. Their doctor has diagnosed something. I'm taking all money away from them because it's an executive skill. However, there might be some compromises. And this is what I worked on with my own mother is she had her checkbook. I let her keep her checkbook. She always wrote checks her whole entire life. Why would she not write a check now when she needed to? However, all she got was a small sum into that checkbook every month where she could pay a few bills and everything else fell under her trust. And at, as trustee, I could manage the household and later her assisted living care from that while well, she had her checkbook. And she had had it probably up until two years before she died. 
So we need to come up with coping skills that work with people with money and memory and be able to recognize it both as as individuals, because we're human beings and have those relationships, and as professionals and what we can do with it. Because it is, like you said, with the more people retiring, more people aging in this world, we need to know how to cope with this. So there's much less elder abuse that is happening out there. And some of it might be abuse and some of it might be just financial taking advantage of right before the legal abuse that could be charged. Right. And really what it comes down to for the people that are going into retirement is having a game plan and putting it into place ahead of time because you don't know if it will happen to you, when it could happen to you, how bad it's gonna be or any of that. So getting with the right advisors to set up a game plan ahead of time is very important. I'm sure you've heard the horror stories of somebody who didn't have a game plan and maybe it was a family member or a friend or a complete stranger, but somebody came into the house and it did turn into a money abuse, elderly abuse type of situation, at that point, their mental capacity is gone where they can't even put something in place to stop it, right? Correct. And the only option is legal steps at that point. And it, that that it takes a lot of time and money. And often getting through the courts is, before you can get it into court, is time sensitive. And how much money you have can dwindle really fast. I just want to put a caveat on that. Having a game plan is not about just going into retirement. That's the time it triggers for most people. I think it's at any age, it's really important to have the legal documents in place because any of us can have a traumatic brain injury. It could be skiing, you bang your head. It could be a car accident. It could be some kind of unexpected damage at home. You could do a slip and that I've seen it with clients that it, and all you have to do is see the football players. This is how it's being recognized much more of the damage hits can do. So any age this can happen to it's yes, it's less frequent at the younger age, but it's really important to address. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. Now we're going to wrap things up just a little bit here, uh, but before we do, what are you curious about as you move forward in the rest of your life? I love this question. I am curious about why people behave the way they do, as you're not probably surprised by the answers to the questions and what I've been saying. I really find people's stories interesting and fascinating. I went to dinner a few weeks ago with clients, and I didn't realize they were grandchildren of Lebanese grandparents who immigrated here. And I could have sat all night listening to their stories of their grandparents from a part of the world that is so foreign to me. And I loved it because my grandmother, my grandparents, um, my maternal grandparents and my dad are both from Ireland. So I had a different perspective, but I also had the perspective of being immigrant child or in grandchild. So I'm curious about all that, how that all reflects out in who we are. That's a fun thing for me. It sounds like it just really comes from a love for people, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons that I do what I do. I love these shows because I get to know people in a different way. Even, you know, some of my friends that I've done interviews with that are successful young guys, I got to learn more about them in the show than I knew before it started. I love that you mentioned the stories because, you know, everybody runs into somebody where you're just sitting there and you're looking at them, you're like, 
wow. <laughs> kind, of, kind of like the the grandkids you were just talking about. Like you, you know, these people and this happened in your life. And it, it, you know, it's crazy. I've spent a, a lot of time in Detroit and in the actual inner city, sitting down with people and helping them. And one of my favorite times was when I sat down with this woman who was in her late eighties and I was actually there to meet her daughter, but the daughter was late coming to the house. So we're just sitting there and we're talking and she started asking me questions. And I started asking her questions and she lived through the riots back in Detroit and she lived wow. through all of the racial abuse. It was really enlightening to sit down with somebody one-on-one -on -one and hear it directly from her and to hear her mindset and how horrible she thought it was on both sides. It was a really enlightening experience for me. And that was by far one of my favorite times sitting down with somebody. She sounds like a really wise woman because she was able to say how horrible it was from both sides. I like that, that looking that, at that it both was, ways. Yeah, that was really the, the coolest part of it. And there was no hate of any kind inside her. And she was, I mean, for those of you out there, she was a Christian woman. She just loved people and you could see it written all over her. You know, I left that home and I just, there was like a warmth inside me after talking with her. And those are the times where you just love what you do. And all it is, is talking and building those relationships. Absolutely. And being around wise people is, is a treat. Yeah, a hundred percent. So Christine, is there anything I should have asked you and I didn't? Well, I think the one question I would have asked is how'd you get the name Money Piece? Because Money Piece is pretty unusual and people always get it that it's money piece when they see it in writing. And it's P-E-A-C-E, -E, like the peace sign. That's my website. If anyone wants my newsletter, go check it out or just learn more about money and memory. But it's Money Piece because that's what I want people to find around their money is peace. That's, that's the best we can hope for, for people that they can sleep soundly at night. Then I feel like we've done a good job. I love it. And one of the things I talk about with my clients is when you're going into retirement, it's not just surviving retirement, like, oh yeah, I can pay my bills. It's actually living the lifestyle that you want in retirement. That's important. And I love that you have money peace as your name because that piece around your money is a huge aspect of absolutely absolutely it's that quality of life that's what it shows quality well, of life well christine thank you very much for being on the show i really enjoyed our conversation today and i think a lot of other people will too now if people want to learn more about you you said they can visit you on your website at moneypiece.com okay and if they want to get in touch with you all the information's right there on the site so All right thank, there. Thank you for listening to the Safe and Sound podcast today. We're going to continue to bring you more interesting individuals that have different mindsets. But the one theme that's always going to run through this show is about building a lifestyle that is something you can enjoy. So thanks again, and we'll talk with you soon. Thanks for listening to Safe and Sound Radio with Sean Sparkman. Sean Sparkman. If you have questions or would like to suggest a topic for future shows, contact Sean at 313-246-9278 or visit the website at www.safeandsoundretirement.net. That's www.safeandsoundretirement.net. I must leave.